Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? We awake? No? That's okay. You can all go to sleep. It's fine. We won't judge you, all right? And I'm so thankful to be here. I feel like I live here now, right? They just set up a little cot for me in the corner. No, I've been taken uh, well care of, and I've been here since last Saturday, last Saturday, and it's been wonderful. Thank you for the, uh, the great weather. I heard we're having like a little heat wave here the last couple of weeks, and uh, like in the 40s and, and in the 30s. Appreciate that. Where I come from right now, it's about 80 degrees, and 80 degrees, so they sent a picture of my, my boys, I have two boys, a picture of them outside playing uh, in, the, in the pool. And uh, so um, I'm so thankful to be here this morning. Amen. Um, glad I'm not back there. That's overrated, right? Who wants that? No, I'm just teasing. I'm, I'm glad to be here. It's been fun. It's been great. I'm glad to be here today. I always love it when we can gather together and really just worship the Lord. Amen. And come together as a church family. You know, maybe you had a tough week this week. Maybe some things happened. Maybe, it was, you know, you lost an hour of sleep, a little cold outside. But uh, we can always count on Sunday. Amen. And coming together and just encouraging each other, hearing about Jesus. Jesus and just singing songs together. And so thank you for allowing my wife and I be here. It's been a, it's been a great blessing. Thank you for the school. I tell you, we had a great week in the school this week. God really moved and worked and blessed. I preached every day on Monday through Friday there at chapel and the students were incredible. Uh, sometimes you go to a place and people can be hard to preach to, you know, hard to read, but the students were receptive, uh, very open to what God wanted to do in their life. And we saw, as Pastor mentioned on Friday, uh, where God just really opened the doors and students were making decisions and man, God did amazing things. So thank you for being here. I am a very, very proud Michigan uh, Wolverines fan. Go Blue. And uh, yes, yes, absolutely. We can clap for that anytime. Amen. And uh, if you're Ohio State, the, we'll, we'll have an invitation here at the end where you can come and, uh, you know, whatever you need to do, that's between you and God. All right. Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning and go to Ecclesiastes chapter number three. Ecclesiastes chapter number three. And again, thank you so much for allowing us to be here today and to preach this morning. And I'm excited about what God is doing here at this place. Very exciting uh, to see how God is working. Ecclesiastes chapter number three. And we'll read several verses here this morning and then we'll jump in uh, to the message. But I want to read uh, through verses one through 11. Ecclesiastes chapter number three, verses one through 11. And uh, thank you, Pastor, for his opportunity to preach here. And uh, been very gracious and kind. Thank you, church family, again, for your kindness and love and just uh, welcoming us in. And we've met so many wonderful people. And if I haven't met you yet, please come up and introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you and just say hi to you and get to know you a little bit. Uh, my wife and I as well. So uh, appreciate all that you've done uh, for us this week. Ecclesiastes chapter number three, and we'll begin reading in verse number one. The Bible says this, it says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. Verse number four says, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. Verse 7, a time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? Verse 10 says, I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. 
He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. You know, when we think about the Christian life, we think about how God has saved us and God has loved us and God has restored us, so to speak. We can look at Jesus and we could call him the great restorer, right? All of us in this room, I don't know your story, but you look good this morning. You look, you look sharp. But all of us in this room, if we were honest with ourselves, we, would, we could think back to a time in our life where, where we weren't where we needed to be for God. Maybe we were unsaved. Maybe we were uh, against God. Maybe we were running from God. Maybe we uh, had a time where we just we just weren't following the Lord the way the way that we ought to. And God, in His mercy and in His grace, reached down and He saved us. He loved us. He called us back. And now, as we walk with Him, He is restoring us and He is helping us to become what He wants us to become. In many ways, uh, it's kind of like uh, you know we think about the world. It's kind of like a junkyard. Have you ever been to a junkyard? But uh, we have junkyards, kind of pick and pull type of stuff where, where I'm at. And you can go to that junkyard and you can find something that you need. And you can uh, buy that piece or buy that car or buy that frame. And you can use that to maybe restore it, to make it beautiful again. That's exactly what God does in our lives. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, we, uh, if we were to use it this way, we were in the junkyard, Right? We were, we were, we were kind of damaged goods. We, we were, uh, you know, marred by sin and, and we were, we were hurt and we were dented up and we were cracked and we were rusted out because of the sin in our lives. But God in His mercy at some point in our life walked into that junkyard of our life. And he saw this busted up life and he saw this busted up family. He saw this busted up marriage. He saw this, this life, this person that had maybe been beat up by sin or been dented by the world. And he looked at that and he didn't see what he saw. He saw what it could be. And he took that, he took our lives and he uh, took it out, took us out of the junkyard and, and now he's restoring us. I think that about in my life, I come from a, a divorced family. My father left when I was two years old. I've never met my real dad. I know his name is Charles and I know he's black. That's all I know. Honestly, that's all I know about him. That was a joke. You can laugh right there. It's okay. And uh, we're okay. We're all right. It's okay. And, um, and, and I know that he left when I was two. I've never seen a picture of him. Uh, I mean, I've seen one picture of him. I've never talked to him on the phone, never felt the touch of his hand. None of those things. And um, I, I grew up in a, in a single family home. My mom, she struggled a lot with a lot of different vices and a lot of different addictions and things like this. And, and uh, really, it, was, it, was, it wasn't the easiest life. But yet I stand here today a preacher of the gospel, not because uh, my parents were anything special, not because, uh, you know, uh, I came from a pastor's home or, or because we had such a strong family, but God in his mercy reached out into my life, into my family, and he saw that broken family. He saw that broken mother and that, and that kind of messed up as a kid that I was, and he, he pulled me out of that junkyard, and he began to restore me. And make me whole and he saved me and, and now, and now I have a beautiful family of my own. I have a wonderful wife and two beautiful kids. And that's not because of me. That's because God is a restorer of people. He restores us. But when we think about that, we have to ask ourselves, why is he restoring us? What's the ultimate goal? What's the ultimate reason that God wants to bring restoration into our lives? I heard the story of a man by the name of Peter Trant. Peter Trant was a man who loved old cars, and he uh, one day he went to the junkyard. And he bought uh, a 1933 Buick, 
old junk car. It was all beat up and marred and faded and dirty and all these things. And he began the process of restoring this old Buick. He paid $300 for it in 1966. In 1966, Peter Trant walked in, he bought this old 33 Buick, and it was beat up, it was worthless, it, wasn't, it was not worth really a lot of money, obviously, and he brought it home and began the process of restoring it. And uh, if you were to see an article that I read, he shows a before picture of the car, and he shows an uh, after picture of the car, and the car today is beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful. Fully restored from the inside out. You know, it took Peter 33 years to restore it. 33 years. And I thought it was interesting in the article that I read that they asked me, they said, man, if you were to take that long to restore something like this, I mean, have you enjoyed it? Have you driven it around? Have you, have you taken it places? Have you, you and your wife taken vacations with it? He said, no, actually, I, I actually, I, uh, I've only driven it 33 years. I've only driven it six miles. Six miles in 33 years. I thought that was interesting because I thought, man, if you buy a car that you want to restore, wouldn't you want to enjoy it? And wouldn't you want to drive around in it? Maybe get the groceries, you know, pick up the kids from school, from soccer or whatever the case may be. But here's the, here's the thing you have to understand is this. And this is what I want you to understand in this, in this message today, that true restoration, true restoration is not about making something functional, but it's about making something beautiful. Let me say it again. True restoration is not about making something functional, but it's about making something beautiful. I'm sure it didn't take him 33 years to get the car started. I'm sure probably within a few months or maybe a few years, that car had wheels on it, it had an engine in it, uh, he was able to drive it down the road, and he could have just said, you know what, I got it functional, I got it moving. But he said, the reason why I took it from the junkyard is not just to let it drive around, not just to let it, uh, you know, uh, move around. I took it from the junkyard so that one day I could look at it over years and years of, of fixing it up and say, wow, what a beautiful thing this is. And that's exactly what God is doing in your life. God did not save you from the junkyard. God did not restore you just so you could be functional. He's restoring you to make you beautiful. Beautiful. And God wants to bring beauty into your life. God wants to take you and, and, and he wants to work on your life and work in your life so that you will become a beautiful person, a beautiful Christian for his glory. And now the question is, how does he do that? How does God bring beauty into our life? What must we understand if we are going to allow God to bring the beauty and the complete restoration that he wants in our life? There's three, three things I want to give you this morning. Number one is this, that if we're going to experience true restoration, then number one, we must understand that life is full of seasons. Life is full of of seasons. We read here in verses one through eight, it says to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up, a time uh, to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. For time's sake, we'll stop right there. We see that life is full of seasons. And we must understand this, this is so key, that if we are going to allow God to restore us the way that he wants us to, that we must understand that life is full of different seasons. We can all understand that, right? We understand seasons, right? We're in the winter season right now, and we understand that this is different than summer, right? It's different than fall. It's different than spring. 
But life is this way. Life is full of seasons. And we see in this first verse a unique perspective. A unique perspective. We see the Bible says in verse number one, it says to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. There's a season and there's a time. Now look, okay. You got to stay with me here. Like if you don't get this part right here, you're going to be like, what was that? I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't understand what I was talking about because you missed this part right here. So even if you like go back to sleep after this part, get this part. And then that way they can tell you, fill you in later when you wake up. All right. So you understand this. This is the key part. He says this to everything. There is a season and there's a time. So my question is, what's the difference between a season and a time? What's it between a season and a time? It's almost like he's being redundant, right? It's almost like he's saying to everything, there's a time and there's a time. There's a season and there's a season. Why does he say the same word? But specifically, he uses two different words. There is a season, which is a certain length of time. And there's a time, which is a specific point in that season. Now, don't miss this. This is so, so good. So good. So good. To everything, there is a season, a certain length of time. And there is a time for everything. There's a point in time. Let me say it this way. Everything, every, let me say it this way. Everything has a time and there's a time for everything. Okay, all right, okay, yeah, no, we're not there yet. Everything has a time, and there's a time for everything. Okay, let me, let me break it down this way. Um, we have, every Sunday, we have preaching, right? There's a season on Sunday when we preach. There's a, there's a certain time when we, when we preach. And every Sunday at about 10, 15 is when the time is when we preach. Does that make sense? Everything has a time. There's a time in our service when we preach. Oh, when's that time? Oh, about 10, 15. So there's a, there's a set kind of portion that's, okay, let me say it this way. There's a, there's a season, there's a, you say, you go to work? Yeah, I go to work. Yeah, there's a time when I go to work. Oh, there's a time in the day when you go to work? Yes, I work for about eight hours a day. Oh, what time do you go to work? Oh, I go from like eight to five. So yeah, there's a time in my life that I go to work and the time is from eight to five. Let me say it this way. There is a time in all of our lives that God wants to teach us something. Okay? As God restores us, there is a time when God wants to teach us something. Maybe right now God is teaching you patience. There's a time in your life that as you, as you live this life that God wants to teach you patience or love or, or forgiveness. There's a time when God will teach you that as a Christian. And guess what? This might be the time. So when you look at your life, and you think, why is my life going this way? Why are things happening this way? Why, why, why is this happening? Why did I get that promotion? Why, why, why did my family member do this? Because there's a time when God is trying to teach you something. And this might be the time. There's a time when God is trying to teach you love. And so he's allowing things in your life because he's saying, this is the time that I want to teach you how to love better. There's a time when God wants to teach you forgiveness. And so he has that friend do something that hurts you. And you think, man, why would God allow that? Isn't God love me? Yes, he does love you. That's why he's trying to teach you something. And he's allowing something in your life so that he will, you will learn what he wants you to learn. That's why we have different seasons. You see, life is full of seasons. And so many times in our lives, we, we, we look around in our life, we think, what's happening? Why is this happening to me? Man, this isn't fair. This isn't fun. Or, or I don't know what's going on. And God's saying, whoa, listen, I want to grow you. I want to restore you. I want to teach you. And this is the time, the season that you're in right now, God is trying to teach you something. That's why, here's the thing, if we look at it that way, 
That means every moment matters to God. Every moment. That means like tomorrow when you drive to work and someone cuts you off, right? And you think, there are so many things I could do right now, right? I could tell them, hey, you're number one, right? I could say that. I could, I could beat my horn. Or I could say, hmm, maybe God allowed that person to cut me off because God knows I need to learn patience. And that was the moment that he allowed something to happen to teach me patience. See, it's not now. Now, oh, now you look at life differently. Now you don't look at, oh, that guy cut me off. Now you look at it and say, oh, what is God trying to teach me right there? Now, now you don't look at not getting the promotion as, I didn't get the promotion, I, I need to work harder. No, no. You need, now you look at it and say, mm, what is God trying to teach me in this season? Because God is not just going to allow things to happen to me. He's allowing them to happen to me because life is full of seasons. Every moment matters to God. Every moment counts. Every moment is important. It's like my son, my son Marcus, he's five years old. And uh, this one time we were playing pillow fight. We have to play pillow fight, right, in our house, okay? And I said, Marcus, go get a pillow, man. Let's play pillow fight. He said, okay, daddy. He went and got a pillow and we kind of square off, you know, like, okay, you ready? I'm like, here we go, three, two, one. And as soon as we, I said one, he looked at me like, just like this. He goes, "R, shiver me timbers. I said, what? What in the world? What in the world? I was, you know, fire. I was like, where did you, where did that come from? Right? Just, no, just like this, like this pirate chant of some kind, right? Ah, shimmy timbers. And I thought, wait a minute, where, where, I, I mean, we don't walk around, my wife and I saying those words, right? You know, come down the steps. Ah, shimmy timbers, me breakfast ready? Right? We don't say that. Somewhere he picked that up. I began to think back and I thought, oh, that's it. There's a show that he likes, a cartoon, um, and it's about pirates. And on that pirate show, he, he picked that up. And it got me to think that, wow, every moment matters when it comes to parenting. Like for me to say, oh, you know, here, son, just watch this show and daddy's going to do something or whatever. As he watched that show, he picked up something in that moment that affected him. And that's exactly what I'm trying to say this morning is that life is full of seasons and we need to allow God to teach us in these seasons what he wants for us and realize that every moment matters. Whatever is going on in your life right now is because that's exactly what God wants to happen right now. Because there's a time for everything and everything has a time and you have to learn what God is trying to teach you in this season. You see, what I understand this is that when it comes to seasons, there are important characteristics. We see that change is inevitable. 29 times in verses 2 through 8, the season changes. 29 times it goes a time to this and a time to that and a time to this. And life is full of changing seasons. We see that change is inevitable. That your life will change. The season of life that you're in will change. We see also this, the timing is unpredictable. It does not give us a time when the seasons change. It doesn't say, uh, you know, there's a time for good, and then three months later, there's a time that's going to be bad. We can kind of like prep for that, right? Okay, all right, we know it's going to be good, and three, three months in, it's not going to be good anymore, so let's kind of prepare for that. But God says, no, 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 We don't know when the season is going to change. Listen, we don't know when the phone call is going to come. We don't know when the, when the email is going to hit. We don't know that after today, after being in God's house and, and following him and man, having a great Sunday, we don't know what's going to uh, uh, happen. And we have to understand that life is full of seasons and those seasons change without warning. That in one moment we can be in a good season, the next moment we can be in a bad season. We see that the type of season is uncontrollable. 
We notice in these verses that, that when it comes to seasons, there's a good season and there's a bad season. Or there's a bad season and a good season. Listen, you may be in a good season of life right now. That doesn't mean you're going to be in a good season of life the next time. Or it may be you might be in two good seasons. Or three good seasons. Or five bad seasons. We don't know the type of season, but we know this. That if we look at it from the way that God does, we say, okay, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. What does God want me to learn in this season? What is God trying to teach me in this season? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27, and verse number one, I'll, I'll quote it to you. It says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know. That's why our trust must not be in our, in our bank account. Our trust must not be in our 401k. Our trust must not be in our, in, our, in, our, in our things that we've invested. Our trust must be totally and completely in God. Because we don't know what tomorrow may bring. We don't know the season that, that, that God may bring in our life. That's why we must trust him. And we must depend upon him and say, God, I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I know this. Whatever tomorrow brings, I know you want me to learn something because everything has a time and there's a time for everything. Life is full of seasons, but we see if we're going to experience God's restoration in our life, then we must understand this, number two, that our labor will accomplish nothing. Our labor will accomplish nothing. Verse number nine says this, What profit hath he that worketh in that where he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. We see here in verse number nine an impossible task. Let me say this this morning. We can do nothing to change or remain in the season of life that we are in. We can do nothing to change or remain in the season of life that we're in. See, some of you right now are in a good season. You're like, man, this is good. Things are rolling. I feel great. You know, I mean, you, man, you're just coming off of a new year. You made some resolutions, right? I'm sure all of you have kept those. And it's just been good, right? You think, man, this is fantastic. I'm in a good season. I don't want anything to mess this up. And so we begin to kind of scheme and plan and, and kind of, you know, uh, barricade to make sure that nothing bad can come in to this season. Oh, this is my season. And I got to make sure that, man, everything that I'm enjoying right now stays the same. Let me say that that's an impossible task. There's nothing you can do to change or remain in the season of life that you're in. Now, some of you think, man, I'm in a bad season. <laughs> this thing is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I got to get rid of this thing. What do I need to do? And so you begin to scheme. You begin to plan. You begin to try to figure out what can I do to change my season. It's impossible. It's an impossible task. We must understand that our labor will accomplish nothing. Nothing we try will make any difference because God is in control of the season, not us. God's in control of the season. Nothing you try will ever change something in your life that will cause you to remain in that season or to be, to be removed out of that season. You must understand that. And so many people, here's the thing. The reason why this point is so important is because so many people try. They try to fix it. They try to figure it out. And so many Christians nowadays are spending their life trying to fix their life, trying to uh, uh, barricade their life, trying to make their life the way they want it. And they say, okay, God, I like where I'm at. Just don't touch anything. Like, don't, don't, like, I, I thank you for blessing me. Just keep it exactly the way it is. 
And we try so hard and we do things in our flesh without faith in God because we say, God, this is exactly where I want to be. Or we do the opposite and we say, God, this is not where I want to be. This is not what I thought my life would be like. This is not how things should be. And so, God, what can I do to change the season? And God says, you can do nothing. You just have to trust me that I know what's best for you. I think about my own personal life. I think about how my wife and I have been married now for 13 years and we, we could not have kids for the first seven of those years. And we tried, we tried and we tried and we tried. And it was very difficult. And I would, I would talk to God very honestly. You know, you ever have an honest talk with God? You look at God, you say, God, what's going on? What do I need to do? What is, what is, is there sin in my life? What's wrong? Why, do you not trust me, the children? What's the problem? And I would, my wife and I would talk and we'd cry and we'd pray together. We'd ask God, please, God. But you know, looking back on it now, not having two children, I realized that God knew exactly what he was doing. And the season of life he had my wife and I in was exactly where he wanted me to be. And what I need to stop doing is stop fighting. Stop fighting what God is trying to do. I'm going to say to you this morning, church, listen, I don't know what season your life is in. I don't know where you're at in your season of life. Let me just say this as a loving, as a loving preacher. Stop fighting what God is trying to do. Stop fighting and allow him to bring beauty into your life. Allow him to teach you what he wants you to learn. We see our labor will accomplish nothing. We must, allow, we must not allow our emotions to control our actions, and we must understand that God knows the best season of life we need to be in right now. The Bible says in Job chapter 23, it says, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backwards, but I cannot perceive him on the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. Here's the verse. But he knoweth the way that I take. He, he knows the way that I, where I'm at. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. As gold. Beautiful. 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 Listen, this morning, you may be in a season of life and you think, God, where are you? I look up and I can't find you. I look over here and I can't find you. And I look around and I can't find you. Trust in that verse that says, but he knoweth I, the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, when he has taught me, when he has, when he has given me what I need, I shall come forth as gold. Beautiful. We see God wants to restore our lives, but we must understand that life is full of seasons. We must realize that our labor will accomplish nothing. We cannot change the season we're in. And number three, and we'll be done this morning, is this, is that number three, we must understand that God's purpose is always beauty. God's purpose is always beauty. Look at verse number 11 of Ecclesiastes chapter number three. It says, he hath made everything beautiful. I love this part right here, in his time. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. We see God's ability on display here in this verse. We see that only God can make us beautiful. Only God, it says, he has made everything beautiful in his time. It doesn't say he and us. It doesn't say both of us. It doesn't say we have or we helped him. It says he, it is God. Only God can make things beautiful in our lives. And that's the purpose of restoration. God's not trying to punish you or you're not one of God's favorite children. He has you in the season to teach you something, to trust him, to love, to be patient, to not be bitter, to forgive that friend, to, to grow in your Christian life. He brings you through that season so that you will trust him and he wants you to understand you can't change it. So let it go. Stop trying to fix it. Why God? Because I'm trying to bring beauty in your life. No, you're trying to punish me. No, God doesn't do that. 
No, you're trying to hurt me. No, you're trying to, oh, you're trying to change my way of life. No, God says it's all about bringing beauty to your life. And I'll tell you this, when God begins to work in someone's life, when God gets a hold of someone's life and they allow him and they trust him in that season and they allow him to do his work and they put their hands off, man, you begin to see God work in their life and we see beauty. Listen, only God can take a man who is away from God, who, who has been, been, maybe been addicted to alcohol and drugs and save that man and bring that man to a place called the house of God, clean him up, allow him to be around people and, and see his life change. And when God does that, it's beautiful. Only God can take a marriage that is falling apart, that's on the brink of divorce, and take that marriage, maybe put him to a couple's retreat, and, and begin to restore that, that hurt and, that, and, those, and those wounds in, the, in that marriage. And, and we see now a marriage that was going to fall apart is now beautiful. And now they walk in the church holding hands and smooching all over each other during the message. And we look at that and we say, hey, that's God that did that. And God brought beauty to that marriage. Only God can take a family where the kids don't want anything to do with the, fam- with the mom and dad, where, where the kids are rebellious and get, that, get a hold of that young person's heart and change his heart and, and, maybe, and maybe use that young person in a great, powerful way. And now that young person who didn't love God now loves God and is faithful to God. Only God can do that. And when he does, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Only God can take a young man whose father left him at two, whose mom spent the weekends drinking alcohol and partying, Only God can take a young man like that and bring him to a a church, save his soul, call him to preach, meet a beautiful, wonderful, awesome, crazy good-looking wife and have him preach on this platform this morning. Only God can do this. And it's beautiful. Only God can take a church that wants to go forward. Only God can take a church that needs some leadership, that needs some direction, needs some vision. Only God can take a church that maybe has gone through a tough season in recent years. Only God can take a church and he can bring a a young man and his family to that church. And that young man can get up and begin to preach the word of God and and love people and pastor people. And only God can take a church that maybe used to and and, and one time did, but now they're going through that process. And now one day we'll look back on this place and we'll say, man, look what God has done again. Look at at what God has done. And when God does that, when God brings a young man like Pastor Rance to a church like this where where God is working and God is moving and lives are being changed and people are being encouraged. And now we look back maybe 20 years from now and we say, wow, Look at what God did. Look at the people's lives who were changed. Look at the families that were helped. Man, look at the buildings that were built. When we look back, we say, man, only God could do that. And when he does, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh, I'm telling you this morning, God may have some seasons in your life, but my friend, allow God to work. Because he will always bring beauty. We can all look back on our life and say, you know, mm, I remember when that happened. But now I see what God has done. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You see, God wants us to not interfere with what he's doing in our life. The Bible says in Psalms 46, it says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. But God, wait a minute, I, I don't want, be still. But God, what about that? Be still. 
I know, I know what I'm doing. And when you interfere, it just makes the process slower. So why don't you just be still and trust me, I didn't take you from that junkyard just to make you functional. I saved you. I redeemed you. I'm with you because I want to make you beautiful. Will you allow God to restore you? Will you allow God to bring beauty to your life? Will you give God control of, of the season right now and say, God, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know the reason why. But one thing I do know above everything else is that you are God. And your purpose is always beauty.